chapter in the sixth verse says this. Jesus said unto them, Verily, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Today, Satan would love to hide the truth from you. Because if he can hide truth, he can keep you from seeing the name that saves It was on the day of Pentecost that Peter stood up and said in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, if Satan could but only place a veil over your eyes and blind you from the truth of the name, he could cut you off from your salvation. He could cut you off from the very thing that saves you. For the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 10 through 12, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you. Hold, this is the stone which was set at naught to the builders which has become the head of the corner. Neither, the Bible says, is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And I know today I'm not as quick and and, and wordy and as fast as I'm trying to be, and and that's on purpose because I want you to, to, to understand that Satan would like to put a veil in front of your eyes and get you to lose sight of what is really important. The name of Jesus is still essential. The name of Jesus still matters. The name of Jesus still saves. Amen. Neither is there salvation. You cannot find salvation in Buddha. You cannot find salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus. And I still believe the name of Jesus is the name that is above every other name. Because Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and when he was saying that you must repent and you must be baptized in the name that is above every other name. He goes on not to just be so vague, but he also mentions the name. He says you must be born again. He says you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He says for the remission of your sins. Amen. And I know there's a lot of us that know this today, but I want to say I still believe it. I still hold on to it. I still cling to it. I still say I still want to preach the Acts 2.38 message. I still want to go forth preaching the gospel. The gospel is still essential. Amen. It is the name of Jesus that the Bible says in Philippians 2.10 that every knee shall bow. And every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. It's time to rip the veil that Satan uses to keep you from understanding what the name of Jesus is. And that the name of Jesus saves. It's that veil that we need to rip away to be able to understand it is the name that we baptize in. We don't baptize in the, in the titles, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
Those are merely titles. But it is the name of Jesus that is saved. It is the saving name. It is the name of Jesus that still holds the key to our salvation. Amen. I find find this interesting. The Bible says that when Saul was struck down with blindness. And that he, he had gone to Damascus. And in Acts the ninth chapter, in the 17th verse, we find it was Ananias who went his way and entered into the house. And the Bible says he put his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus who appeared unto you on the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, the veil had not yet been lifted. But the Bible says, and immediately, as soon as he laid his hand on him, you see, Jesus who appeared unto you, he said, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And the Bible says that he received his sight. And he arose and he was baptized. I wonder today how many people choose to keep the veil over their eyes and think that baptism is no longer essential. Because the devil would love to sit there and place a veil over your eyes and tell you that baptism is no longer essential. That it's a symbolic thing. I'm tired of hearing how baptism is no longer essential. The last I heard, they were wanting to stop us from singing in church. And I wonder today how many other things are going to be ripped out of our hands. I want to hold on to the gospel. I want to hold on to Jesus' name. I want to hold on to baptism. I want to hold on to infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I cannot let it go. It's deep down inside of me. I still believe the church is essential. I believe that repentance is essential. I believe that baptism is essential. I still believe that infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence is essential. Because Satan would love to just place a veil over our eyes. He would love to disguise what is essential for our salvation. He would love to use a portion of the truth. And so he whispers in the ears of those that will listen. That all you need to do is believe in your heart and you'll be saved. That's all you need to do. Is believe. He uses Romans 10.9. This is no new thing that Satan does. Satan was in the garden. Spoke to Eve. And used a portion of truth. He even told her. What do you mean? God said you can't eat of all the trees. Didn't he say you could eat of all the trees? He said but. You're not going to die if you take this. So he mixed truth. With lies. 
And so Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. And Satan would love for us to stop there. He would love for us to place a veil over our eyes and disguise the plan of salvation. But you see, in Acts, the 17th chapter, in the 11th verse, the Bible says this, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness in mind. And this is what the Bible said they did. They searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. I wonder today if Satan has placed a veil over our eyes where we no longer read the word of God, Pastor. And we're just saying, oh, well, you know, whatever they tell me, whatever somebody tells me is going to be all right. But I wonder today how many people are lost and going to a devil's hell because they cannot see past the veil of Satan because the, the devil has tricked them and disguised them into believing that the plan of salvation no longer requires baptism it no longer requires infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues I wonder today how many people will keep the veil of Satan you see the point that was being made in Acts the 17th chapter when it says they searched the scriptures daily was that they searched the scriptures over and over because they were hungry for truth. And they wanted to know as much as they could about what God's plan was for their life. They were not willing to settle for one scripture. They were not willing to settle for a portion of the scripture. They were not willing to settle for a portion of the inheritance that God wanted to give them. And so they desired to rightly divide the word of truth. And to search the scriptures and to develop a deeper relationship with God. Satan would love to place a veil to block the understanding of the Word of God. And that is why it is important to ask God to guide us as we read His Word and we study His Word, rightly dividing the Word of truth. You see, when we read His Word, we should have a constant prayer within us asking God to guide our understanding. And we need to be careful who we allow to speak into our life. Because the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transforming himself into an angel of light. And this is what it goes on to say. Therefore, it is no great thing. If his ministers also being transformed as the ministers of righteousness. Any old way will do, will not do. Baptism is no longer essential. Wrong. Baptism is essential. 
And filling of the Holy Ghost is essential. It is no great thing that the ministers of the devil would transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. You better be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Because the Bible says that the end is according to their works. And if someone tells you that you can be saved and live any old way that you want to, I would take that comment with a grain of salt and see if that lines up with the word of God. You can be sure that you can come to your pastor and begin to pray and begin to talk to your pastor if you're confused about something. But you don't just let anybody tell you what they think. Because what they think and what is right with the word of God is oftentimes a very large difference. There is often a great deal of difference. And that difference can, can literally be the difference between your salvation and an eternity where you don't want to be. I wonder today what Satan is saying and what veils he's placing over us. Where I hear of people saying that the church is no longer, there's no longer any need for, for worship in the church. Brother McIntosh, I come into the house of God and there's many times I've seen him worship God in the middle of a service, day, service after service. And I believe it's because he knows that it is essential to worship the Lord your God. It's essential to give God praise. I keep hearing that worship is no longer needed, but I've got to have a spirit of worship inside of me. I've got to have the spirit inside of me that says, God, I won't stop worship. I don't think you understand what Satan, what veils he wants to place over your eyes. This generation will go out and riot, but they won't worship. Come on. God, if ever I stop worship, God, if I ever stop worship, you remind me, you stir up my gift that is within me, my way of remembrance. You remind me where I came from. You deserve my worship. God, you deserve my praise. I want to praise him in the morning. I want to praise him when I'm in the day. I want to praise him when the sun goes down. I've got to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because often they will think, that the Bible is no longer essential. That's why. That's why in John 3, 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Oh, the water, the baptism, and the Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
I'm not trying to get on anybody, but I, if I really love you, I'll reach for you. I'll say I'll save you. I'll tell you what the Bible says because that is the only thing that really matters. When I get to judgment, I never want to walk away without the knowledge of God. My God. I hope you hear what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the veils of Satan and his desire to hide and conceal the truth. His desire to twist and conceal the identity of God. His desire to convince you that grace is a twisted version of a once saved, always saved. Grace is not the reason I continue in sin. It is the reason that I am not destroyed and mounted up on a cross for my sin. Grace is the reason why I live. We talk about grace like it's such a beautiful thing. And I don't want you to get this wrong. I'm not saying that grace is not beautiful in its rightly divided section. But grace was not a beautiful thing. Because the cost of grace was great. And while it humbles me and it saves me, I cannot see grace as a beautiful thing because I know that the cost of grace was at a price that, it, that is even hard to imagine. You see, grace cried out for a price that I could never pay. It was the price of grace that spit in the face of God. It was the price of grace that pulled his beard. It was the price of grace that mocked him. You know what I'm talking about? It was the price of grace. We think grace was just given to us. Pastor, I've heard you say it before. It's, it's the undeserving favor of God. It came with a price. It wasn't just handed out willy-nilly. It was a price. It was, the, it was grace that nailed his hands to a cross. It was grace that pressed the thorn of crowns into his head. Beautiful grace. Beautiful for me. Amazing grace. I wonder today. I remember my mom singing a song when she was when when we when I was younger. The song said something like, Does he still feel the nails? Every time I fail, does he hear the crowd cry crucify again? Am I causing him pain? then I know I've got to change. Because I can't bear the thought of hurting him. Grace is beautiful, yes. But grace came at a price. And Satan would like to place the veil over your eyes and say, no, grace says once saved, always saved. You, you can live any old way that you want to. 
And to continue a life of sin under a banner of grace is to dance in the blood of Jesus. And to reject the very price that he paid. God, don't let me reject you. Don't let me dance in the blood that you spilled for me. It was grace, the price of grace, that drew the spear through his side. But Satan is trying to place a veil over our eyes and tell us it's okay. Do whatever you want. Satan would love for us to believe that lie. I'm so grateful for grace, for the unmerited favor of God. But I cannot see grace without knowing what God did for me. I can't see grace without knowing what my God did for me. God, thank you. I don't deserve it. But thank you. I don't want a veil placed over my eyes. Satan would love to place a veil over our eyes and tell us all the lies. That we, will be, that we are willing to listen to. With each lie being just another layer of the veil he would love to place over your eyes. John 8, 44 says this. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he abode not in the truth. The Bible says because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. I'm talking about the veils of Satan. And the veil that Satan would like to place over our eyes. And tell us that God is no longer essential. Help us God. Satan would love to tell you. Simple lies like God doesn't want to hear from you anymore. Not after you've ignored him for so long. But the truth is in Hebrews 4.15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. God, I come boldly before the throne of grace. The picture of grace, understanding what you did for me that I may obtain mercy and find grace to help me in a time of need. The veil of Satan would like to tell you there was no price for grace. 1 John 5.14 says this though. If this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask Anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Satan would like to place a veil over you and tell you the world is too wicked. It's too scary to even find happiness or peace anymore. If you just look around, you see chaos and, and confusion. It's a veil of Satan. 
But the truth is in Romans 14, 16. Let not your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is still essential. For he that these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. You see, Satan would like to tell you or put a veil in front of your eyes and tell you, <clears throat> because God loves you, your behavior is ultimately doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But the truth is in Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized, baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. How many of you know that Christ raised up from the dead? That Christ has overcome the veils of hell. That they've, he's overcome the veil of Satan. Amen. Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk, the Bible says, in newness of life. Hell and Satan would like to place a veil over you and say, you don't have a good testimony. But I know the truth is in Revelation 12, 11, where the Bible says that I am overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of my testimony. I never did anything. I was raised in church. Thank God for the testimony that he kept me. Your testimony makes you an overcomer. Where you came from makes you an overcomer. I don't mean to embarrass Jackie, but Jackie has, 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 has a past that, that, that she, she doesn't like to talk about very much. Because it's painful. Not because it's embarrassing or because, or because it's painful. But she's made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of her testimony. She doesn't have to worry. God's got you covered. God's got you covered, baby. The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony has you covered. You're made an overcomer. You win. Amen. You've tried. The devil would love to place a veil over your eyes and say, nah, you tried and you tried. But you're just not good enough. You just don't have what it takes to make it to heaven. But the truth is in Romans 8.31. Starts in 31. Let's go there. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is before you, who can be against you? Then he goes on to say this. Let's jump to 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, shall tribulation? Huh. Oh, shall tribulation? 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword. He says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It was the price of grace that saved us. It was the price of grace that saved me. For I am persuaded then that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate me from the love of Christ. Come on. I believe it. I still believe nothing will separate me from God. I'm bought with a price. I'm bought with a price. I'm bought with a price. Yes. Grace is beautiful, but it came at a price. God, don't let me dance in your blood. Don't let me stand. Rejecting what you did for me. Today I'm talking about the devil who wants to feed you a bag of lies and blind you from what's true. I'm talking about the devil who wants to cover your face with a veil so that you can't see truth. And you can't even see what's staring you in the face. Pilate, who Jesus stood before during his, his, his trial, he said, he asked Jesus, what is truth? Could not even recognize truth stood in front of him, pastor. Because a veil was placed over his eyes. Another time he said, don't you know I have the power to destroy you or save you? And Jesus' simple response was, you wouldn't have any power lest I gave it to you. I want you to think about that for a moment. Devil, you don't have any power greater than what God is willing to give you. You are not willing to, you are not able to take my life. You do not hold my life. You do not hold my salvation. It is God who holds the key. It is God who has the power. Amen. Neither is there power in any other name. Amen. So, it was truth that was hid behind a veil. A veil that Satan thought he had total control over. But there was a reality. I'm closing tonight, today. You see, if we go to Matthew, the 27th chapter, we find a short description of some of the things that Jesus went through on the cross. The moment that he was paying the price for grace. And this is what it says. It says that about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabachshani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them stood up and they heard him. And they thought he was calling for an Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it in the reed and gave it to him to try to drink. But you see, the rest of the people, 
Standing, dancing on the blood of Jesus. Casting lots for his garments. Disrespecting the very grace that God was paying for. Dancing on the blood of Jesus. That poured from a cross of Calvary. They said, "Ah, let Elias come. Let's see if Elias comes and saves him. They danced all over the blood of grace. Rejecting the very price he was paying. And Jesus cries out again. And he gives up the ghost. And this is what the Bible says. Go to Matthew 27, verse 50. And we're going to go from 50 to 51. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And the Bible says this. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and even the rocks were rent. The veil was rent. The veil that separated me from God was rent. That when God gave up the ghost, he tore the very thing that separated me from God. That the very veil of Satan himself could be rent. That the very veils that Satan today tries to place over your eyes could be rent. To know that we have freedom from the veil. Freedom to walk from the holy into the holiest of holies. <laughs> to walk from the holy, the holy place into the holiest of to enter a place where the Spirit of God could dwell with inside of me, with inside of you. Do you understand that the veil of Satan has been rent? You no longer live under a veil. You live under the promise of God. Today. You need to realize today that God has stepped in and the veil of death was rent. There is no more sacrifice needed. The veil of hell has been rent and hell no longer has dominion over you. You have a promise. The veil of the grave was rent and people who are already living or already dead, the Bible says, rose out of their grave. And so 2 Corinthians, in my closing today, the third chapter and the 16th verse says this. And I want to leave you with this thought. 
please understand the veil of Satan is real Satan would love to cover your eyes he would love to, to lead you down a road where you're blocked from understanding and he conceals the identity of God in your life but you've got to know in 2 Corinthians 3 16 nevertheless when they shall turn to the Lord the veil shall be taken away you've got to know the veil has been ripped away from your life right now God wants to know do you want to live in a right in a promise or do you want to live behind a veil quit trying to hold the veil right now raise your hands begin to talk to God begin to shout out a, a voice of triumph begin to understand that a God I thank you for the price of grace Hallelujah. I am thankful to know, nevertheless, my veil is taken away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The veil's been taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says there is liberty. We no longer have to live in bondage. We no longer have to live behind the veil. There's liberty. There's nothing to do. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. That you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty. Thank you, Jesus. That you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for the name that can be applied to my life. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy you wash me in mercy come on lift your hands all across this building let's just love on the Lord God we love you God we thank you thank you for mercy God thank you for grace God you wash me in mercy I am Hallelujah. Clean. 
Jesus, we love you today. There's nothing today. God, we worship you today. That you can't make words. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, you for your sacrifice. Thank you, God, for mercy that endures forever and ever. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank God for a God of love and a God of mercy. Psalmist David said, Thy mercy endureth forever and ever. We can't do it without God. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Because your own flesh your own righteousness is as filthy rags. But when God steps on the scene, Bible said, for by one man's sin, many were made sinners. Because Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. The devil wants to beat you over the head and say you're a failure, you'll always be a failure, there's no hope for you. You made mistakes, you made bad choices. For by one man's sin, many were made sinners, but by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Because of what God did, we now have access to the throne. That's why he said, now come boldly unto the throne of grace and make your petition known. You don't need a priest. You don't need anybody else. You can come boldly into him and say, God, I'm in need of you today. I'm in need of mercy. I'm in need of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the what? The gift of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You know when grace became amazing is when it was applied to me. You may deserve to be here, but I do not. I thank God that he turned this knucklehead's life around and said, hey, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to give you a new life. Thank God the veil was rent. See, man can rip Rip, rip it from the bottom to the top but God says I'm going to do it from the top to the bottom it's not a you thing it's a God thing and thank God for that the Bible even talked about that when that happened the rocks rent the rocks broke in half I believe somewhere he said in his word that if you hold your praise and you stop praising him those rocks that broke are going to cry out in praise. I'm not going to let a rock steal my praise. The mere fact that I'm here today is reason in itself to lift up my hands and lift up my voice and give you praise. Could we do that all across the building in your own way? Could you just begin to sing praises unto the Lord and give Him praise, God? We love you today. We thank you, God, for grace. Thank you, God, for mercy. Thank you, God, for the ability to be born again, to get a new start in life.
Thank you, God, for what you did. We don't deserve it. But, God, we stand here debtors of thy grace, debtors of thy mercy. And we give you praise and we give you worship in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands under the Lord? Amen. Glad to have everybody in the house of the Lord today. Two o'clock, we have Spanish service. Six o'clock, evangelistic service. Looking forward to what the Lord's going to do tonight. feel like I have a word from the Lord tonight. And uh, let freedom ring. Amen. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're going to let freedom ring tonight in this house. Amen. So glad for our guest. I believe you bought a firework yesterday at the booth or this week. And he's here today. Make him feel welcome. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.